But if your growth is accelerating, you have to pre-finance more and more and more inventory. And you have to buy that inventory two, three months before you can actually sell it. Welcome to the 10K Collective podcast for six, seven and eight figure Amazon and e-commerce sellers, part of the amazing FBA podcast family. If you want to scale fast, target a seven figure exit and enjoy the process, then keep listening. Ladles and jealous spoons, boys and girls, welcome back to the 10K Collective Podcast, the place for six, seven, and eight-figure Amazon and e-commerce sellers, a subset of the amazing FBA family of podcasts. Today, we're talking with Rob Tabraka of Finance Insight Matters, and we had a fantastic discussion, I think, about personal wealth goals and your e-commerce accounting. Today, we are going to be diving into the difference between profit and cash flow, which I think is really Really important. I think it's the difference between bankruptcy and happiness myself personally. So Rob, thank you for coming back to the show. Thank you for having me again. I'm looking forward to this one. Yeah, I, I'm bigging this up with me too. I, I've, I've got a, I'm not an accountant, but I, I can see enough of the businesses I've seen over the years to know that this is a critical distinction, profit versus cash flow. So first of all, let's define terms. What are we talking about? What does profit mean? What does cash flow in simple term? Profit means if you look at the P&L that your accountant gives you, uh, the number at the bottom, the net profit, that's your profit. So if you sold a hundred products for a hundred bucks, yeah. no, let, let's skip the numbers for now. It is your revenue minus all the costs that you make for that revenue. So minus your product cost and your overhead costs. Okay. That is your we're net profits. Into, we're not getting into tax then today. So presumably we're sort of pre-tax profit, that kind of level. Pre-tax, post-tax, it makes a difference, of course, but for today's discussion, not so much. Okay, fine. And cash flow is the difference is the difference what uh, on your bank account between the beginning of the period at the end of the period. So January 1st, you have $100 on the bank. December 31st, you have $200 on the bank. You have $100 positive cash flow. Okay, great. So doesn't mean if you're profitable or not. It only says you have more money in the bank. Yeah, great stuff. So why does this distinction matter then? That sounds on the surface of it like something that accountants should stress out about, but we're just busy trying to grow a brand and develop new products and get the marketing working. And yes, get some yeah. profit margin if we're measuring intelligent metrics or if we're really feeling dumb just measuring revenue. But that's the focus. So why, why do we need to care about this distinction? Um, at the end of the month, you need to pay yourself, you need to pay your team, you need to pay your office rent, you need to pay uh, your, your, uh, your ad agency. You can't pay them with profits, you pay them with cash. So if you are super profitable, but your bank account is empty, you still have a problem because you can't pay what you owe. Um, if you look at Tesla as a famous example, has never been profitable, always makes a loss, but has money in the bank and therefore they can pay and therefore they can survive. Companies don't go bankrupt because they are making a loss. They go bankrupt because they can't pay one or more people or companies that they should pay. That's a stark reality. And by the way, the word loss is somehow, um, it's a very particular meaning in the world of accounting, hasn't it? But it feels like, uh, 
similar to cash flow, but it really, really isn't. So a loss is something on paper and cash is something in the bank, right? So Absolutely. I think it's, it's really important. And also there's, I mean, it's very dangerous in a way. I sometimes feel that to compare a small business with uh, you know, large corporates because they have completely different financial structures, but there's quite a lot of companies like Tesla, also Amazon for many years that had no profits, but had very healthy yeah. cash flow. And they still seem to be the biggest companies on the planet. So what are the mistakes you see um, e-commerce operators making uh, in this particular area of profit and versus cash flow, or maybe confusing the two? By far the biggest one is people focus on the P&L only. So they focus on revenue. If they're a bit more sophisticated on gross profits, and if they're a little bit more sophisticated on operating or net profits, but still forgetting the cash flow. So that is by far the biggest one. The second one that we see is people that grow too fast. And that may sound weird, but an e-commerce business that grows too fast is at high risk of breaking if you don't manage that, if you don't manage your cash flow properly. And more detailed one, we see people when they negotiate with suppliers, they focus on the purchasing price only and they forget the payment terms. So they're looking at unit economics, thinking about the fact that when you pay, it makes a huge difference. I would say that one of the biggest things is simply to negotiate better payment terms with your suppliers. And even if you don't change unit economics, your A, your business might survive if it's going fast and B, you can probably afford to do lots of things like uh, actually pay yourself, <laughs> but also you might, you know, be able to expand your business more quickly. I think everything relates to that, doesn't it? So what would you say are the solutions then? So if you're only focusing on the P&L, what do we need to do instead? Well, the obvious answer there is focus on your cash flow, um, and then more specifically operational cash flow. And I think in a bit, I'll, we'll dive in a little bit more in the different types of cash flow, but as I mentioned. You won't, if you're making a profit or a loss, doesn't make an impact on going bankrupt or not. An empty bank account is the one that kills you. So what, if you're only looking at the P&L, you don't have visibility on your cash position, start focusing on that. Because that is, especially in e-commerce, the critical one, where you're pre-funding your inventory, where you're pre-funding your shipping costs. Um, with a bit of bad luck, you're pre-funding your ad agency or your ad spend. Um, and then at the end of the, the ride, you get paid because you finally sell the products. That cycle you need to understand and manage. Yes, that makes sense hundred percent. I have a lot of conversations about this, by the way, with my clients. So I'm really glad to hear somebody else, you know, really hammering this in public because, um, Somehow people neglect the nature of the beast, don't they? If you've got a ton of money tied up in, in stock, I would guess that it's fairly basic that you could have a hundred thousand dollars worth of stock at the beginning of the year and $200,000 worth at the end of the year. And you've made a hundred thousand dollars in profit. And that's what profit means is the difference in the value of the business. And I get massively confused about this. The second thing that like growing too fast, um, that's growth sounds great. Everyone makes a sort of almost a religion of growing, especially fast. It somehow seems to be a thing that Amazon sellers do. Above all American ones, but not just, I mean, British ones I work with on, you know, some, I've got a couple of Dutch clients I've worked with and they seem just as obsessed. So why is that a bad thing? And, and what are the danger signals that it's going too fast as opposed to just fast? It's not a bad thing. It's a dangerous thing if you don't do it properly. So, and that correlates really strongly with how long your lead times are. If your supplier is next door to the Amazon warehouse and they deliver out of inventory. So your lead time is basically one day. 
you'll be fine. But especially if you purchase overseas and there's a longer shipping time, you probably pay your supplier when you place the order. Then they spend six, eight, 12 weeks producing. Then the stuff goes on the boat. Then it waits on the boats before it arrives in the US because delays are everywhere. Then you pay your, your, uh, the supplier the second portion of the, the payments. And then it arrives in the warehouse and then you can finally start thinking about selling it. So all that time between your first down payments and you actually start selling the units, you pre-finance that inventory. And if you do that with one batch, probably that's not a big problem. But if your growth is accelerating, you have to pre-finance more and more and more inventory. And you have to buy that inventory two, three months before you can actually sell it. So you have to buy even more if you're planning to grow aggressively to make sure you never run out of stock because obviously you don't want to do that. But that means that the amount of capital you need to put into inventory compared to the size of the business gets really, really large. And that in nine out of 10 cases means you can't finance that yourself. You need external financing for that. If you, but that takes time to arrange. So if you don't realize that that problem is coming, you're going to be caught off guard and you're going to either run out of inventory or you're going to have an issue with your supplier, but you're going to get into trouble. One of our clients in uh, consumer electronics, they had to fly in their stuff from China to Europe and where they would usually pay, I think it was $3 per unit in shipping costs by boats. They were paying about $80 per unit for air freight and say goodbye to your margin. I guess that, that's more of a profit and loss issue in some ways. Well, that's a sort of conflict between the two, isn't it? Because if you're flying stock in, you can get it selling a hell of a lot quicker. So that's good for cash flow, but it's horrific for your margin. So it's absolutely like a conflict between the two, isn't there? I mean, yeah, I, I would say really, here's the thing, my, my sort of 50,000 foot view of the business model, private labeling slash custom products. If you're importing, everyone thinks it's about more and more products and profit margin. I would say it's about balancing the cash flow, which means you can survive and expand versus the, the, the thing of never going out of stock. And that basically means you just have to borrow or invest huge amounts of money in my experience. I mean, it's people are very naive about this and, and it's often put across, let's put it politely, disingenuous marketing, which is to say, mm -hmm very exaggerated that I'll just build a lifestyle business. I mean, I would suggest at this point in proceedings and I, I'm a person that makes some of his living from coaching people in this, and I'm telling you, if you're listening or watching, please don't treat private labor like a lifestyle business. It's not really suited for that anymore. <laughs> used to be more. Tell us about negotiating with suppliers on only price then. So that implies we ought to be talking about the, the payment terms, I guess, doesn't it? So what are, yeah. what are the things we should be Well, not only the payment terms, the payment terms is the obvious one. Um, if you get better payment terms, you pay later, therefore you have better cash flow. That's the obvious one. If you have uh, a relatively shorter physical distance from your supplier. So if you're buying for in, uh, if you're selling in the U S and you buy in the U S or in Mexico, for example, another really good example is low radio order quality. So in you, in general, that means, uh, less good unit economics, higher purchasing price, but if you can have a good bond with your supplier and you say, you know what, we're going to board order 10,000 units, but I would like to order, split that in two orders, one now and one two months from now. You ship in smaller quantities. That means 
you effectively still buy later and therefore pay later. If you're going to buy from China, that means you're shifting from full containers to LCL. Probably that doesn't work, but for big enough quantities or uh, shorter distances, lower order quantities and higher order frequency is a really good way to effectively get better payment terms. Yeah, and I guess there's a direct payoff there between your profit and loss statement where your unit economics look worse if you order, say, you know, a few thousand units as opposed to 20,000 versus the cash flow. I, I would take the cash flow <laughs> because if you've got enough of a margin to be acceptable, then I would say that, you know, you're actually going to survive further. I mean, what are your thoughts when you've got that difficult kind of uh, payoff there? Oh, yes. Uh, first of all, hands down, I'll take the cash flow. Assuming the unit economics are good enough, I'll take better cash flow. But the thing is, if you have a good bulk with your supplier, you can still, because you commit to two orders of that same higher quantity, you can still get the same unit price, but split it into, you, into two orders in practice. Yeah. And it comes down to how they book. And I guess this is sort of, it feels like a sort of accounting sleight of hand, but I don't think it is uh, fooling anyone. It's just that revenue is often booked when you put a purchase order in for a, for a manufacturer, right? So that basically means they can go to the boss and say, Mike's put in an order for $50,000 worth of, of units for this year. Yeah. And they can go, great, revenue, 50000 Our manufacturing cost is whatever. We're allocating a percentage of overhead to that. We're going to make you know 40000 out of this, whatever they make. But actually, you're going to pay them now for the first batch, and then you may not pay them for the second batch until you know maybe it's next year, right? So the cash flow is yep. separated. And that's a super smart thing to do. And I, I've seen people do that a lot. And by the way, thank you for flagging this up. We've, we've had it mentioned on the show before now by an aggregator actually, but uh, he was an e-commerce operator himself, but it's not common. And it's really, really fantastic advice because it's great for everyone because really what the manufacturer needs isn't necessarily cash flow in their case, especially if they're in China, they're, they're, they're funded by the communist party that does all sorts of crazy stuff. And whether that blows up one day and pushes the world into recession is another question. But right now they, they basically don't seem to have any problem with throwing credit around like it's, you know, water. So they don't have a problem with that, but they want to book sales where you have a massive exactly. challenge with cash flow. So yeah, it's, that's really, really helpful. Now there's certain types of cash. You've mentioned types of cash flow. So you ought to get into that a little bit as well. So operating cash flow, you mentioned, what are these types? And um, yeah, yeah. With, with the risk of getting too theoretical and academic, but there is three types of cash flow, operating cash flow, financing cash flow, and investment cash flow. Uh, investment cash flow is probably the least relevant one for e-commerce. That basically means if you buy a warehouse or if you sell a warehouse or a real estate or a really big asset, probably not that relevant for most of you. Financing cash flow is, um, when you get a loan from the bank, that is financing cash flow that you receive interest that you pay, uh, loans that you repay or dividends that you pay to yourself, all of those are cash flows that relate to how you finance the business. So that's a separate category. And operating cash flow is the most important one. That's the cash flow from actually running the business. So all the money that you receive from your customers the, and the money that you pay to your suppliers, to your, uh, to your colleagues, uh, your own management fee, normal cost of the normal cash flow of running the business. And in the long run, Every business needs to have positive operating cash flow. You can buy time and be, uh, have negative operating cash flow for quite a while if you have sufficient cash flow from financing. 
So if you have investors that keep putting money in, or you have uh, Amazon loans that you keep uh, keep drawing, you can run with negative operating cash flow. But in the long run, any sustainable business needs to have positive operating cash flow. That's a really important. By the way, this is an important thing for anyone who's considering investing in Uber or any other sort of tech startup because they are funded. I mean, Uber, I think they got a three billion dollar transfer funding from the. Um, the Saudi fund, whatever it is called it, the Saudi fund for basically trying to invest out of just being in the oil. And there's lots and lots of businesses that look kind of sexy for a while. And then eventually people look at it and go, hmm, the emperor's got no clothes on and yeah. uh, it dies. So your business isn't going to have that luxury, is it? If you're in the Amazon space, I mean, what are the areas that you see people making here? Apart from, I guess that the main thing is not having positive operating cash flow, but what are the sort of other things that you see? Um. The biggest one that I see other than not having operating ca- uh, positive operating cash flow is the fact that they don't distinguish it. They would equate money coming in from a customer with money coming in from a Amazon loan. And therefore they say at the beginning of the year, I had less cash than I have now. Therefore I have positive cash flow. And that's a very dangerous misconception because an Amazon loan has to be repaid. Yeah. So, oh, so financing cash flow or money from loans versus operating cash flow. I, yeah. And you just made the distinction, I guess, you know, cash flow from a customer, they, they've got the product, they've given you the money, that's it, d- done. Whereas the difference yeah. between that and loans is the repayment side. What, uh, what problems do you see people getting into with loans then? Tell me a bit about that. Problems getting into surprisingly little because Amazon loans, Shopify loans, Stripe financing, all those revenue-based ones, they just take the repayments. So. I don't really see it escalate into troubles. I mainly see that people underestimate the price of these loans. It is super convenient to take them out. And Amazon has them to be on a golden platter, basically. But the cost is quite high. So if you are having a stable business, it might, it's nine out of 10 times cheaper to knock on your local bank store or other more traditional forms of financing to get a loan from there rather than take the Amazon loan. Interesting. So it's just the, the cost of the loan really. And I suppose that sounds to me like a profit and loss um, element, which is, yeah. you know, the cost of finance, but also I suppose it is affecting cash flow in, in some ways, but it sounds more like almost a profit and loss thing. And I guess the reason to be fair that people don't get loans from banks is it's not easy to get a loan from a bank compared to Amazon financing, is it? Um, I guess that would be outside the scope of today to, to say, how to do that. We've certainly talked about that with quite a few people over, over, we've talked about every financial topic at some point, I think, but I do think it's important to say it's worth the sweat because of what you've yeah. discussed. Really, if you're spending more money on finance than you should, it's really going to hit your profit margins. Um, okay. The other thing, yeah, cool. quick, quick jump in here is I see people poke with their suppliers on unit cost, therefore ignore the payment terms and then have to borrow to pay their supplier. And therefore, if the time that they're borrowing the money, the interest you pay on that is actually, you could consider it part of the unit cost as well. So it may be cheaper to not need the loan, pay more to your supplier at a higher unit cost, but pay them later. Interesting. Very interesting. This is a sophisticated uh, financial operation that you've got now. And this is why you need to sit down with somebody who gets this stuff, I think. So in other words, if you treat your, I like this a lot. I've never heard anyone put it this way, but it makes sense to me a lot, which is 
you treat your finance incurred only. So in other words, you've got a loan in order to fund inventory and in particular type of inventory. Um, so you've got your best seller product. You need to borrow a hundred thousand units before you get into Christmas. So typically you're buying from China in what August, maybe even July these days, yep. you have a spike down in, in cash flow. So in order to get that, you get your loan. So instead of which you, you take the hit with the supplier and actually, because that's, uh, yet yeah, the economics of that might work out cheaper than a loan. I like that a lot. And that's the sort of thing where really just got to have, if you're not on top of your bookkeeping, you're just going to have no clue what we just talked about, whether that's happening in your business side. Yeah. So I guess you've got to have a bookkeeper. And it strikes me also, you've got to really have somebody who can talk the stuff over with you. So that really brings me, I mean, we can talk about some other things. It's kind of forcing me into a call to action here because once you're getting into this stuff, the nuances have to have some help, don't you? So tell us about what you do to help people. Because like, we offer help primarily in two parts. One is accounting and bookkeeping. Second one is reporting, translating all the data and the treasures that are hidden in the books into visible, actionable information, uh, and help you analyze and translate that into what it means for your business. But and that, sorry, go on. Yeah. And that means revenue, not only overall, but we would look at revenue per prototype, revenue per geographic area, gross margin and net margin per prototype to really understand where are you making the money? Where are you losing money? Where can you uh, improve? And above all, how is your cash flow? I and mean, where can you improve your cash flow? Yeah. And I think um, there's the world of difference between, um, and by the way, not anti bookkeeping, utterly important. And most of us, myself included, just sweat and fight with it and, and work with people and have arguments. And you just got to do the thing, I think. But what, what you're talking about is, and then turning it into visible, actionable information, which I think yes. is the missing piece. And you're clearly, you know, very good at that because you've got very pragmatic understanding of the business model and, and where the danger points are and equally where your opportunities are as well, which is, I think, really exciting. Here's what I would say to anyone listening who's got a bit depressed by now. There's lots of mistakes people make because they have no clue what's going on in their business financially. But if you get the clue and you're willing to look at the difficult truths head on, I, I promise you that most of your competition is not doing that because I work with them. And, you know, if you're willing to grasp them nettle, you can get a competitive advantage that nobody can reverse engineer on Jungle Scout or Helium 10. Nobody can tell from the outside without seeing your books why you're doing so well. And it's the ultimate competitive advantage for me because it's so uncommon. Lots of people are good at producing beautiful products. Lots of people are not good at this stuff, I would say. So with that in mind, you offer a couple of services, don't you? So you've got a free personal audit which sounds yes. cool. Tell us about what we get from that. What you get from that is basically you put in a couple, you answer a few questions on your business and especially what your goals of your business are, what you want to achieve with it. And then we're going to reply you with a super personal tailored list of metrics that you should be tracking to actually help you achieve those goals. And I can promise you operational cash flow is definitely one of them. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That sounds, yeah, really. And it's not a phrase that I hear banded around. So it's, it's really great to get clarity on something that somebody else doesn't. Again, it's a competitive advantage. It's not just about, oh, we're doing things wrong. It's like, if we get this right and everyone else doesn't, we are going to survive when they don't. And then we take their market share and their profits. Thank you very much. So the other yeah. thing is then, if we want to get into a, a bit of a deeper work with you, you offer what you call the game plan. So how does that work? Yeah. The game plan is essentially a uh, more extensive version where we 
take your goals, dive into in a deep call with you, understanding what you want to achieve, how you want to achieve that. Translate that also into the KPIs, but then with much more information, so more details. And then translate that into what does that mean for your accounting and your bookkeeping? Is it set up in the way that you can actually get these insights from it? Or what do you need to change in your accounts um, so that you can actually measure and track and use those insights from your books? We'll set up those and an implementation plan on how, what you need to change and who should change those. Love it. And um, this is at, I believe, Finance Insights Matters, sorry, Finance Insight Matters dot com forward slash amazing fba and Correct. any special deals for listeners and watchers yes there is for this audience a 25 percent discount great can't argue with that but i think more than anything what i'd encourage everyone doing is uh, watching or listening to do is go and talk to somebody like rob i mean i would suggest going at the very least get the free thing which is uh finance insights matters dot com sorry finance insight matters.com forward slash mini game plan where you get the free uh, personalized list of metrics that you need to look at and do consider working with somebody and paying them real cash money to get advice because we always want to exchange money for ads which gives us the dopamine hit of the sales i've said it before and i'll say it again because it's it's addictive amazon knows that they're not stupid people they're smart and we also want to see the shiny lovely products the physical evidence we've spent our money on something good but i can tell you for free that getting this stuff Right. I think honestly, the, the best operators, the people I've seen grow from, from seven figures to eight figures in the time they've been with me in the masterminds are really smart financial operators. They, they are obsessed with brand, but they have like a, a fractional CFO or a CFO who is really amazing. Most people don't have a fractional CFO or, you know, financial director in their business and they really need this help. So for me, it's yeah. like the ninja master skill that is missing. So really grateful for you uh, sharing that stuff. And my final question to you, Rob is um, what question should I have asked you that I didn't? Usually this is the one, the point where I say profit is more, is uh, overrated and cash flow is the one. And I think, I think you covered most of it. Now, the, if you really want to go more advanced, if you want to go to finance, let's say uh, uh, 102, you really want to start looking at things as working capital turnover, inventory turnover, uh, ROI, ROA. But return on investment and return on assets. But I think we don't have the time to go into that level of detail now. But once you have the basics in place, that's where you want to start looking for further improvements. Excellent. So for that sort of handful of people who are in the luxurious position where they, you know, got the handle on the basics, we can definitely get you back on the show to talk about that. I'm a weird sort of nerd, as my wife tells me, that I've, I've got books here like Financial Intelligence by... Uh, Joe Knight, and it talks about and romancing the balance sheet by Anil Lambert. So I love terms like working capital, inventory, turnover ratio, ROI, ROA. Um, for those who love that too, we'll get you back on to nerd out about that. But for now, I think we've given people plenty to absorb. <laughs> I think even the distinction between profit cash flow and the fact they're different and focusing on operating cash flow in itself, very, very valuable um, nuggets there. So Rob Tabaraka, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your insights. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to the 10K Collective podcast for six and seven figure Amazon sellers. I really hope you found the show helpful to you. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show 
And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please do leave us a quick star rating. It will take you all of 30 seconds to do it, but it does mean we can be found by and help many more e-commerce business builders. I wish you fast and profitable scaling, and I hope you enjoy the process of building your seven-figure Amazon business. Thanks very much for listening.